You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series today. We're going to talk about Vicarage. We're going to meet the Vicarage directors as well. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining me today, the Reverend Joel Fritchie. He's director of Vicarage and Deaconess Internships and assistant professor of exegetical theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Pastor Fritchie, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thanks. Good to be back. Hey, and welcome back to the States, too. Thanks. Yeah, (laughs) quite an adjustment, but good. For those who might not know, Pastor Fritchie's been serving as a missionary in Latin America for quite some time now. Was it how many? Eight years? Is that right? About eight years. Yeah. And recently called to serve as the director of Vicarage and Deaconess Internships here at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. So we have some fun questions for you in your inaugural year as uh, as Vicarage director here at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Great. Looking at Fort Wayne, joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Todd Peppercorn, Director of Vicarage and Assistant Professor of Pastoral Ministry and Missions at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. Pastor Peppercorn, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Hey, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for asking. Oh, glad to have some time with you this morning. It's been a while since we've chatted. Always enjoy our conversations with you. And this time talking about Vicarage. So before we talk about how you assign students to Vicarage, let's talk about your own experience, considering becoming a pastor and what Vicarage was like for you. So let's start with that, Todd. What was, when did you start thinking about becoming a pastor? I probably really started seriously thinking about it in confirmation. Uh, I had a confirmation pastor that that had this nerdy kid in his class that kept asking annoying questions. And so he would start basically throwing books at me and say, okay, go read this and then come back and then we'll talk. And uh, I kept reading them. And uh, and I really became very close with him. His name was Connor Corcoran, Pastor Corcoran. And he encouraged me to consider the ministry from the from the very beginning. That led me to go to Concordia, Nebraska, and ultimately to the Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. I did my vicarage in Waco, Texas at St. Paul's Lutheran Church there, fabulous vicarage congregation. I was there the year after the Branch Davidian compound, the whole David Koresh thing in 1994. My apartment was actually a mile from the compound. So that was kind of all of the crazy talk of the year, but it was a it was just a fabulous year and really, really in many ways helped to shape me into the pastor that I am today. It, it is quite formative, no doubt about it. I have to say personally that St. Paul in Waco in Belmede, Texas is a very loving, welcoming congregation. I served there as a DCE and deacon for youth and family ministry for about three years back in the early 2000s. And they are just a, awesome. a, a warm congregation. And uh, I remember seeing yep. your picture on the wall. They have yep. a, a, a wall of fame of, of their vicars there. And I remember seeing that picture on the wall there. How about you, Joel? What was When did you start thinking about becoming a pastor? My story is almost identical, really. It was during confirmation. And, you know, I had a great pastor, you know, unlike many others, loved going to confirmation instruction and asked a lot of questions, loved memorizing the catechism and demonstrating my knowledge and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, Pastor Larry White, at Our Savior in Houston, uh, began to encourage me immediately, embarrassing me in front of the class, embarrassing me in front of the entire congregation, basically saying, you know, I would be a, a pastor, I would be president of the synod someday, all these kinds of things. And, you know, so, I mean, back then I laughed it off, but 
the the thought stayed there. And, you know, as I approached high school graduation, considering what I wanted to do, ministry seemed to be the only thing that consistently stayed in front of me. And like Todd, I went off to Nebraska, Concordia, Seward, and did pre-sem, did music. And so I'm a product of the system. But all through that time, you know, my home pastor continued to be a strong support, encouraging me along and supporting financially and and otherwise. I went to Wyoming for my vicarage, uh, our Savior Lutheran in Torrington, Wyoming. So they sent me off uh, to the Wild West. But it was a great congregation who had had, oh, so many vicars before me. I think I was number 14. So a congregation very experienced in receiving vicars. Uh, and, uh, you know, working with Vickers in that critical year of, of formation. What were some other great memories from your formation, not just Vicarage, but your time at seminary and formation, even the early years of serving as a pastor? What are some great memories that have stood out for you, Joel? You know, a lot of it is, uh, of course, what happened in the classroom. And, you know, there's always professors that you like, some maybe that you don't like as well. But really out of the classroom, you know, the the interactions and conversations with professors, with, you know, brothers in in my program and things like that. Those are some of the greatest memories here. Talking theology, not just in the classroom, but outside of the classroom. We kind of ate, slept, lived and breathed it, you know, in those four years. And I, I think that's the idea. Not that, you know, it's the only thing that you're about and do, but You've got those those four years, or really the three years on campus, especially to to really immerse yourself and engage in it. And then, of course, vicarage and field ed and those things give you the opportunity to to put it into practice and actually engage with with other people. But I'd say those moments outside the classroom, you know, maybe over a pint of beer, <laughs> especially those kinds of experiences were were awesome. And then getting out into the parish, you know, serving people, seeing how. God's word is powerful in their lives. You know, words of, of forgiveness and light that make a difference for them. Those those kinds of things meant a lot to me. How about for you, Todd? What were some memories from formation as a pastor, from seminary through vicarage and into your early years as a pastor? As as I said said earlier, my my vicarage was there in in Waco, Texas, with. Pastor Walter Albers, who is a, just a delightful man, and he had some he had some practices that I that really kind of shaped me. Things like if someone was in the hospital, you visited them. Period. This was not a this was not a debate. This was not a you didn't look at your schedule. You were going, and everything else would stop. And they're having surgery. You're there, and really to this day, that that notion of Job number one of the pastor is you've got to show up. You have to be there in in people's lives, in season and out of season, joys and sorrows and everything in between. I really kind of, I think I kind of learned that from Pastor Albers because he was just, I, I don't know, a father figure to the whole congregation. That was, that, that was a, a unique thing that was just a, just a delight for him. And that, so that kind of notion of of being there really transported through. My first parish was in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Messiah in Kenosha. And 
couple years after I got there was 9-11. And that was, so that was kind of my first sort of major kind of national life event and sort of seeing that as a pastor and asking the questions, not simply of what's happening in the world, but of really trying to get at the bottom of, okay, so how do I provide pastoral care for these people? We were kind of in the backyard of Chicago. And so there was a lot of fear about, well, were there going to be more planes? And on top of that, their relatives and friends and just, just that, that whole culture of, of fear at the time and, and asking how do I, so how do I as a pastor both acknowledge this fear and what's going on, but then actually speak a word of hope. And, and that was, that was a remarkable, remarkable time that I, I reflect on often, honestly, because it it was such a, such a big, a big thing and sort of reoriented me around, okay, what does being there mean? It doesn't just mean showing up, it means showing up and having having the words to say that God, God gives you as a pastor and knowing, knowing the word so that you have the words when they are, when they are there. That was a, that was quite a time and still is really. Yeah. And like, like in those early years, you, you, you get used It's shocking at first people are coming to you for answers, yeah. you know, and yeah. when I'm a vicar, I kind of have the excuse, I'm just a vicar. But as a, you know, but even there, as, as Todd says, you, you speak words of hope. Uh, and that was something for me too, early on. And I was an associate my first few years in ministry and, but still, you know, you've got families with young children coming to you and because they looked, look up to you and asking, you know, should my child be reading Harry Potter? You know, the, these kinds of things. And you give them a word, you know, you speak and give them the word of, of the gospel where it's needed. We're going to talk about what that means, what that vicarage experience means, and how you get to determine who goes where for vicarage, where students go for vicarage. Uh, I'm sure it's a very scientific process. We're going to learn more about that, about vicarage placement, in just a little bit right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series today with the directors of Vicarage at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis and Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. And we're talking with Reverend Joel Fritchie and the Reverend Dr. Todd Peppercorn, learning more about their roles as the directors of Vicarage for both of our seminaries. Now, what is, we've talked before about Vicarage, but give us just a brief like elevator speech of what the Vicarage experience is 
for students. You want to give us that that description, Todd? Sure. So Vicarage typically is is really an internship. It's a year where you are apprenticing or studying under another pastor. Most vicarages are kind of all over the country. There are a few that are local to either Fort Wayne or St. Louis. But in most cases, there is a, a there and back again character to it that that really is as a part of the journey. And so you go, you you study under him, you probably shadow the pastor, certainly in the early weeks and months, and then you're given given responsibilities. You do a fair amount of preaching, teaching Bible classes, confirmation, making visits, really the bread and butter of the pastoral life. And and the goal is to give students a sense of what the rhythm of being a pastor is about, and then trying to sort of put flesh and blood on all of the academic work that they have been doing, because they've been, at that point in time, two years or maybe six years of a very intense academic work and kind of moving that, I'll say, on earth with people and and realizing that these questions aren't sort of these esoteric questions that you're going to write a 15-page paper about, but it's why you're standing in line after church that someone asks you this and you've got 10 seconds to give them an answer or whatever it might be. And and so that's, in many ways, I, for, for many students, I think that it is their favorite year of study because they get to really put into practice all the things they've been learning. It's very different than, than your on-campus formation, for sure. It is. And if you think about, you know, the opportunities that they have in the first two years with field ed, they're just kind of getting their feet wet. And so Todd and I were together with uh, a bunch of Vicarage supervisors back in September at our annual conference. And we talked about, you know, most guys, as they get ready to go out, they preached maybe four or five times. And so Vicarage gives them the opportunity to preach maybe another 25 or 30 or even more times and build that confidence of being a preacher of the word, you know? Now, before this particular call serving at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, we mentioned earlier, Joel, you were serving in Latin America in a seminary setting there as well. Was Vicarage a part of seminary life for students in in the Dominican Republic as well? Well, maybe I shouldn't say this, but, you know, over the course of that time, I successfully eliminated Vicarage in our program in the Dominican <laughs> Republic. But uh, there were some specific reasons for that. And, and that's not to say that we eliminated the practical side of things. We initially planned to send students on Vicarage. It just became very difficult because we had students from different countries going out to different countries. And it made you know, documents and things like that very difficult. Plus, there were challenges with supervision out in the field with not, you know, not a lot of pastors that had, you know, a full theological training. And so we decided to to handle all of the, the practical side of things there in the Dominican. So students had a very intense field education component of the program, especially in the fourth year. And it was all focused on church planting. Initially, some guys did go out on vicarage, but most of that took place there in the DR where there was plenty, were plenty of opportunities for church planning experience and plenty of us to supervise. So, sure, and not all models that not all models that the model that we use here in the United States doesn't necessarily apply to every culture, every situation around the globe. It certainly is very useful here and very meaningful in 
and makes for a wonderful formation for pastors here in the States. But I understand that doesn't necessarily apply to every culture, every situation. So we talked about this a little bit already, what you want, uh, but, but I'd like to hear from each of you a little more about this, what you want students to gain from their vicarage experience. What is it that you want them to, you know, when they complete their vicarage to have experienced and, and really gain to, to go on to that next year, or sometimes if it's a deferred vicarage going right into a, a call? We'll start with you, Joel. So, you know, I'm getting in the saddle here and and learning about the curriculum and all of that here at to the Sam in St. Louis. We have a, a number, a whole host of like formation outcomes. Some of them are, are personal outcomes, like one's own spiritual devotional life and things like that. But then you move into the biggies of, of preaching and worship and pastoral care and those kinds of things. And so students touch on those things uh, in a uh, kind of like Todd was saying in a theoretical way in the classroom but then Vicar Vicarage gives the opportunity to really grow in those areas in those outcomes during that entire year of putting things into practice whether it be preaching uh, leading worship visitation I think is a big one but even turning back to those personal ones like one's own spiritual formation I think that, you know, Vicarage offers an important opportunity for that to learn how to balance that with, you know, all of the pastoral things that you're learning to do, how to take care of yourself spiritually, uh, hopefully with your supervisor being in the word daily, whether it be gathering together in the mornings, praying matins, whatever it may be, but growing in that and, and recognizing the importance of one's own personal spiritual life that's important too along the way and and guys need to get a taste of that in that year so that they're prepared for that when they when they graduate and go out on their own some of them who may be on their own you know 30 40 50 miles or more from any other LCMS congregation or any other brother so i think those things are important but to grow those outcomes and then have the opportunity when they're back that fourth year to reflect on how it went Todd, anything you'd like to add to that? What do you want students to gain from their vicarage experience? I I certainly concur with everything Joel said. Probably the piece that I would that I would add to that is 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 that vicarage is really the time when the student gets an opportunity to reflect on I'll, I'll call it pastoral identity on what does it mean to be a pastor and. But you think when a student first comes to the seminary, they're assigned a fieldwork congregation relatively quickly. And so at that point, they move from being a layperson to being a student. And so they're at that place for two years, let's say. And then when they go on vicarage, they're sort of moving from being a student that does certain things to being a, a vicar that is kind of a student pastor. And so there is an identity question that begins that, and that includes spiritual formation that includes, I guess I would call them competencies. So, you know, your identity shapes what you do as well. So, so we try to try to think through both of those questions of who are you and how do you, how do you understand yourself as a pastor? What does that, what does that mean spiritually? What does that mean personally? What does that mean in terms of, of competencies and, and abilities and how do those things how do those things get shaped while you're on vicarage? That's honestly, this is why the 
the supervising pastor is such a critical, critical component of the entire formation experience at the seminary. In some ways, they are the most important person that that each student has because they spend more time with the student than any individual professor does. It's kind of amazing. Let's talk a little bit about that. What is the relationship of the the vicar to the pastor that they're serving with in the local congregation when they're assigned to vicarage? It's interesting. It's it it, it varies from person to person, and I then I would would want to say that they, there's no kind of cookie cutter scamp that makes that some some relationships are father to son relationships. Some of them are closer to a an older brother relationship some of them are closer to a peer relationship very rarely do you see in my experience at least a a relationship that is that feels kind of cold or business like honestly being a pastor is is just far too enmeshed in people's lives to have that kind of experience yeah and i've been so, tra- around in my first few months here, just visiting bridge congregations. And, and I, I see exactly that, what Todd says. I see pretty close relationships between the vicar and the pastor. And I think that's a great thing. And, you know, some of them, there's a, a longer leash and some of them, there's a shorter leash. But, and, and even now, as I start talking with students getting ready to go out, as I do their interviews, one of the questions is, you know, what kind of a supervisor are you looking for? And a lot of it, depends on, you know, their own abilities and personalities and how they'll mesh together. I'm certainly not going to put together a, a guy who's got a pretty assertive personality with probably a supervisor who's got a very assertive personality and see sort of a clash because overall we, we want our, our vicars to succeed, <laughs> you know. So how do you go about... It does about... seem important to me. <laughs> <laughs> How do you go about placing or assigning vicarages for students? I'm sure that's quite the process. I know congregations apply for a student vicar, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But how do you go about that? What's that process look like? And I know there are many steps to it. Todd, you've been through it a couple of times now. What does that process look like of assigning students, assigning vicars to their vicarage? I occasionally feel like I should have a bobblehead doll of Yenta from from Fiddler on the Roofs, you know, the matchmaker on there, because it feels a little bit like that, where you, I, they go through an application process that kind of outlines, out, outlines all kinds of things. It's a fairly extensive process. And then I have an interview both with the student and with their spouse, if they're married, and, and I get to know them. Most of the classes that I teach are actually second year classes. So I spend a lot of time getting to know those students specifically. So some of them I will have for three or four classes over the course of the year. I also teach second year field education. So I have them in field education every single week, all of the, basically all of the students going on vicarage. So that happens. And then I, I start to develop a profile of the student and kind of what are their strengths and weaknesses? What kind of supervisor are they going to be being best served by and then matching that up with the congregations that apply for vicarages. And, and that's, that's kind of a whole second part of the component is fostering those vicarage congregations. And there are certainly a fair number of congregations that have had vicars for 5, 10, 15, 
years. I think that the longest standing vicarage congregation right now, at least for us, is uh, 53 years. So wow. they've had vicars every year since 1970. So that's pretty amazing. But but yeah, so those become a part of really a part of the life of the congregation. And and then wedding those two together, it takes about a six or eight month process, really. Something like that. How do how do congregations apply for a vicar? How do they go about requesting a vicar? Joel, do you want to give us some yeah, insights? Sure. Uh, I mean, I've I've had to answer that question a number of times already as congregations. <laughs> Usually they reach out to the seminary, but the process actually starts with the district. So, I mean, I can answer questions about logistics and costs and all those kinds of things. But, you know, to initiate the process, they go to their district and apply through the district office. Then the district sends that application on to the Synod's Office of Pastoral Education. And from there, it comes to the two seminaries to us, basically. Any, we have just about a minute here, any uh, misconceptions or anything you want to clarify, you want congregations to understand, Todd, uh, about vicarage, if they're thinking about requesting a vicar, anything that's important for them to know? I'm sure there are lots of things that are important for them to know, but uh, maybe a few points. I would, I would think of it as a vicarage is a part of the ministry of the congregation. A vicar isn't an assistant pastor or an associate pastor. He isn't simply kind of cheap help, but he is a, a part of the life of the congregation. This is honestly outreach work. This is mission work for the congregation and, and using themselves as a model for how this man will become a pastor. And that, that's an incredible opportunity that congregations, when they kind of get into this program, really come to love it. And I think that's the primary thing I would I would want congregations to realize. So if your congregation has a love for shaping and, and being a part of the formation of future pastors, that's really uh, something to consider. And you bet. going about through the districts, making that request for a vicar. Gentlemen, I am sorry we are all out of time, but I've learned a lot about Vicarage and certainly enjoyed hearing your stories as well about becoming pastors and serving now as directors of Vicarage. My guest today, the Reverend Joel Fritchie, Director of Vicarage and Deaconess Internships and Assistant Professor of Exegetical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you. Good to be here. And the Reverend Dr. Todd Peppercorn, Director of Vicarage and Assistant Professor of Pastoral Ministry and Missions at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you, and God bless. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit kfuo.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at kfuo.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.